So it is easier, but it's still really hard. Mm. And, no, and, and the hardest thing is admitting to yourself that you're trans because nobody wants to be trans. I, you know, I didn't want to be trans. Nobody chooses to be trans. It is such a hard journey, even now. It really is. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Katie Neves. Katie was introduced to us by Jackie Handy of show number 173. Katie is a woman on a mission, but not just any woman and not just any mission. She came up publicly as being transgender after living for 48 years as a man. Katie formed Cool to be Trans to support and inspire other trans people and also to educate the general public on trans issues. She helps organisations with diversity and inclusion by providing trans awareness training in an entertaining way by using her infectious sense of humour. A recent participant in one of Katie's webinars described it as the most interesting webinar so far and definitely the funniest. Katie appears regularly in the media and she is on both ITV's and BBC's list of experts. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Katie Neves of Cool To Be Trans. Welcome Katie, thanks for joining me. Hi Joe. thanks for having me. So start by telling us who you are, what you do and crucially where you do it. <laughs> right, well, um, okay, well I've been a professional photographer and filmmaker for 33 years but two and a half years ago I came out very openly, very honestly and very publicly as being a transgender woman after living for 48 years as a man and so I now have a new business as a trans ambassador called Cool to be Trans, where I do trans awareness training, public speaking and media appearances just to educate the general public about um, trans issues. Wow. So normally I next say, how did you decide to do what you do? What, did you want to do this when you were at school? <laughs> and I guess, <laughs> I guess you perhaps... Well, there's a whole complicated answer to that question. So, so tell us, tell us a bit about your story. Okay, right. Well, so I was born 51 years ago, and as is still the established norm now, I was assigned a sex based purely on my physical sex characteristics, i.e., what was between my legs. I was assigned male at birth, and I was given the name Martin Albert Neves. So it was me labelled. However, at the age of around three or four, my head and my heart were telling me something very different to the label that I'd been given. And one of my very earliest memories was age of around three or four, where I was, my, my mum caught me trying on a pair of my sister's knickers. And I remember when I tried them on, it felt so right. You know, I felt right. But then 
she told me off. And then she, t- and she told me to take them off and put my own pants back on again. And for every day of the following week, she would pull my shorts down and she was checked to make sure I was wearing my own pants. And it was humiliating. And it sowed the seeds for life, or not for life, but for a very long time, that what I, what I did there was naughty, it was dirty, it was wrong. It was not what respectable people did. Hmm. However, despite that telling off, the urge to cross-dress as it was then was always there and so throughout my childhood I always used to secretly dress in my sister's clothes whenever I had the opportunity and whenever I did it it always felt so right but then those feelings of feeling right were very quickly superseded by feelings of guilt and self-loathing and it was and disgust with myself it was awful so it was many years before I'd even admit to myself that then I was a cross-dresser um yeah, you know, I, I would, I just, because it wasn't who I, who I was or who I thought I was, you know, I, I'd, so every time I did it, you know, it would feel great, but then I'd feel really guilty. And then, then I'd, I'd promise myself that I would never do it again. And I tried so hard to not do it again, but however you, much you try and suppress that, it always comes back and usually with a vengeance. And so this vicious cycle went right on until my mid twenties. So by that time, I trained to become a press photographer and I was initially working on newspapers in Kent before moving up to the Midlands to get a job as a senior staff photographer with the Coventry Evening Telegraph. And uh, I worked there for for five years before leaving to set up my own freelance photography and video business, which are called Martin Neves Photography and Film. So by my mid-twenties, I had a successful business. I got married for the first time. And it was only in my mid-twenties that I finally accepted and embraced the fact that I was then a cross-dresser. And as soon as I did that, it was like a whole weight lifting off my shoulders. I I no longer felt guilty about it. Um, And I realised that I had a condition called gender dysphoria, which is a great feeling of unease and turmoil caused by a mismatch between how I felt in my head and my heart, i.e. my gender identity, as opposed to what was between my legs, uh, you know, my sex characteristics and the label that I've been given at birth. And the thing with, with gender dysphoria is that it can vary in intensity and it very often increases over time. And that's exactly what happened with me. And I was totally unprepared for it completely. Um, but of course, at the time, um, I just thought that, I, you know, I was happy as a man who needed to cross dress. And that was all it was. I, you know, <laughs> I knew what it was. And that was it. I compartmentalized it. it was, I put it in a box. That was it. Yeah. And so I was, you know, happy like that for, for, for many years. And, and the, my occasional cross-dressing, maybe once a week or something like that, was enough to satisfy the level of gender dysphoria that I had at the time. Um, so by my mid-twenties, um, you know, say I'd I, I, um, gotten married and everything. And, and, but then my first marriage only lasted, well, it lasted for 13 years. It was actually quite good, really. But it, it, we should have split sooner because my first wife never accepted my cross-dressing. And so it was all of, always a bone of contention within the marriage. But also I wanted kids and she didn't. And it was one of those things that I always thought that she, she might change her mind as she got older, as, as some women do. But um, sadly, she didn't. And so there were two massive things getting in my way. And because then when I was heading towards my 40s, I was thinking, oh, well, if I want to be a dad, then I, I need to do something about it. And mm-hmm. with her not accepting my cross-dressing as well, I thought, well, it, you know, I, 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 so I instigated the first divorce. So even though, you know, I loved her and we loved each other and we were a great team, um, you know, 
there was those two massive things. So I instigated the first divorce. And then while I was going through the first my first divorce, I then went on to meet um, a second woman who would eventually become my second wife. And I decided to tell her at the time about my cross-dressing on, on, on our second date, actually, because I thought first date was probably pushing it. <laughs> Hello, do you come here often? Oh, look, we've got matching knickers. It doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> so to my surprise and to my delight, she was absolutely okay with it. And she, um, but there were conditions attached. You know, she said, well, you know, as long as you don't dress more than once a week, which in those days I didn't, you know, that was enough to satisfy the level of gender dysphoria that I had. So that, that was okay. So that was a tick in the box. Yeah. And then she said, as long as you never want to transition. And I absolutely didn't. You know, I, I, there's no way that I wanted to transition. I was definitely happy as a man who needed to cross-dress, and that was it. So that was fine. Um, the other condition she had was that she, did, if she said if we ever had any kids, she didn't want them seeing it. And I didn't really agree to that, but I thought, well, because I thought, well, I didn't want to live a lie to any children that, I, that we had. So. But I thought, well, you know, two out of three isn't bad. And, you know, I'm fishing from a smaller pond here anyway. Um, and, and especially as, you know, as approaching 40, a lot of women that I would attract would have already had their kids by then and might not want anymore. So yes. for several reasons, you know, I, I knew that I was fishing from a smaller pond. So anyway, our relationship blossomed. And then nine years ago, we had a beautiful baby daughter who was the absolute centre of my universe. Um, and it was many years before we actually got around to getting married. And I always said I'd never get married again after going through the, the, the pain and the, the cost and everything of, of my first divorce. Mm -hmm. um, but I eventually weakened and I proposed. And, and then we actually got married in uh, August 2017. However, about well, a few months before we got married, I just happened to meet a clairvoyant and a spiritual guide at a, a business networking meeting. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to any business networking meetings, but you tend not to meet people like clairvoyants. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met one at a business networking you tend meeting. To meet lots of people like accountants and financial advisors. Plumbers and, and, yeah. <laughs> and utility warehouse salespeople. Yeah. Like Nothing wrong with those people at all, but clairvoyants are just fascinating. <laughs> and I was just so intrigued by her that I was talking to her for most of the evening. And, uh, and she was lovely. Yeah, she was great. And, and, uh, at the, by the end of the evening, I thought, oh, I'm going to book up for a reading. And I didn't really feel the need for a reading, but I was just so intrigued by her. So I did. So I went along for this reading. And I tell you, she blew me away. She was incredible. She said so many things that were so true and pinpoint accurate, things that she couldn't have found out from my website or from my social media. Um, but then she said other things which <laughs> just didn't make sense at the time. She said things like... Um, I mean, they make perfect sense now, but they didn't at the time. So she said things, things like a new way of being. And she said, there's, um, there's an issue that you've always known about, but that you're not fully in integrity with. And she said, spirit want you to uh, go off into the countryside, take yourself for a long walk and talk to yourself, talk to nature and talk to spirit, and they will show you what you need to see. Uh -huh. So I thought, all right, well, I like walking, <laughs> nothing ventured here. <laughs> but I was quite busy. I was very busy at the time with my work and it was the run up to our wedding and everything as well. So it was, it was a few months before I had the chance to actually go off for this long walk. So in the meantime, August 2017, we got married. 
And then a few months later, so in early November 2017, I finally had the time to take myself off for this long walk. And I went over to Rutland Water because I absolutely love it over there. Mm. And I worked out this really long route around the surrounding countryside. And then I came back just along the South Shore. And I remember it now. It was a beautiful day. It was the blue sky. The sun was shining. And it was a, a very cold, crisp, clear day. And I went off with my map and my compass and my walking boots and I was on a mission, I really was. And I was talking to myself and talking to nature and you know, talking to the countryside, talk, talking to spirit, whoever yeah. they were. And I remember feeling disappointed at the time because I was naively expecting some sort of light bulb moment or some sort of mist to say, this is what you should be seeing. Strangely, Joe, that didn't happen. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> but um, weirdly, Around the same sort of time, whether it's a coincidence or not, I really don't know, but it was about the same sort of time that my gender dysphoria went through the roof. It really did, so much so that I didn't know what gender I was at all. And I was in so much turmoil, I was even typing into Google, what gender is Martin Neves? Now, I know that's crazy because the, the, the answer could only come from me. It couldn't come from anyone else, particularly Google. But I was desperate, and that's the sort of thing that desperate people did. Yeah. But I couldn't tell my wife about my inner turmoil because I didn't want to stir up a, a hornet's nest unnecessarily, mm -hmm. you know, if it was something of nothing. And also, if I did tell her, it would lead to her asking me questions, which at the time I just didn't have the answers to. I really didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, I've really just got to face this on my own. So I thought, uh, well, I better get some counselling. So the first thing I did was I found a counsellor who had experience of dealing with people with gender issues. And I had a few sessions with her. And at the end of those sessions, I wrongly concluded that I was gender fluid. And I realised now why I came to that conclusion. It was my fear of admitting to myself that I'm a transgender woman that was making me hang on to any bit of masculinity that I had. Mm. And, but at the, at the same, but I didn't just sort of take that sort of conclusion as read. At, at the same time as doing that, I was working my way through a self-help workbook um, called You and Your Gender Identity by um, Dara Hoffman Fox, who's um, a gender therapist from the States. It's an absolutely brilliant book. It's like psychotherapy in a book. And, and there's a lot of work involved. And it took me about two months to work my way through it. And by the time I got to about three quarters of the way through the book, it became obvious that I wasn't gender fluid. I was, in fact, a transgender woman. And then by the time I got to the end of the, the book, that conclusion hadn't changed. So now I had two conclusions, but they were different. I thought, okay, what can I do now? So I, I sent a text back to the clairvoyant, and uh, I, I should point out at this stage that she's she's not just some sort of mystic meg sitting in a caravan with a crystal ball predicting the lottery numbers although to be honest with the state of my finances the state of my finances at the moment that would be quite handy so if you know anyone like that <laughs> yeah please let me know um it shows my age saying mystic meg doesn't it yeah exactly who you're talking about though <laughs> exactly yeah um i bet your younger listeners are thinking who's that yeah, <laughs> look it up yeah. um so, but no, she, she's actually um, a, a spiritual um, healer and, and, and she's um, specialising in clairvoyant healing and she's a, a healer member of the National Federation of Spiritual Healers, which is recognised by the NHS. So she's got some credibility about her. Mm. And she suggested that I go along for what she calls a vision quest session. 
And I did that on the 11th of January, 2018. And in that session, it's a four hour interactive process. So it's a big old process, it really is. And she used techniques such as deep meditation to get me into a really relaxed state and to, to allow me to get past all my fear and to allow me to access my inner truth. And during that session, she didn't give me any answers at all. She just asked me a series of questions. It was question after question after question after question. It was relentless. Now, whether she got the questions from spirit or not, I really don't know. I haven't got a clue. But she just asked me all these questions. But she allowed all the answers to come from me and from my inner truth. And it was such an emotional session. I cried buckets that day. I really did. And it was at the end of that session that I admitted to myself that I am a transgender woman and that I need to change my body. Uh. And, and that was really the point that I really felt female and I felt that Martin had stepped back and Katie had taken over and it just felt so right and it has done ever since. But so, so now I had discovered my true gender identity, <laughs> but what was I going to do with it? Because... Yeah. You know, there's one thing knowing your true gen you know, uh, gender identity is another thing doing something about it. And yeah. I didn't want to be trans. No one does, as it invariably involves a lot of loss, heart, <laughs> heartache and pain, as well as dealing with bigotry and prejudice along the way. So a really tough journey. No one chooses to be trans. But, you know, it's just who, who I was. So I, I didn't have the choice about being trans. Mm. The only choice I had was to whether I was going to do anything about it or not. Yeah. And the research that I did that showed that most people, most trans people who decide to transition after the initial loss, pain and heartache usually go on to lead happy and contented lives. Whereas a lot of the um, trans people who decide not to transition and to live their lives for other people, sadly, yeah. they're the ones that often end up in a cycle of depression and often worse. Mm. And so the urge to live my truth was just so overwhelmingly strong um, because I was finally at peace with myself. So I just thought I've just got to face this head on. I would say man up, but that's probably the wrong thing to say. <laughs> Rubbish term. I'll get told I know off. what you mean. <laughs> I'll, probably, I'll get told off for using that term. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so my first challenge was to tell my wife. And yeah. that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Well, apart from admitting to myself that I was trans, that was the hardest thing. But apart from that, yeah. And um it took me a month to pluck up courage to tell her. I was so worried. And in fact, I, I actually wrote her a letter because I was so nervous of telling her. So just in case my words didn't come out right, I could give her the letter. But in the event, my words did come out right. But I gave her the letter at the end um, just mm. so she had something to refer to because she was in such total shock. I mean, it was yeah. awful for her. It was a real bombshell for her. It was dreadful. Yeah. Um, How old was your daughter at the time? My daughter at the time, she was six at the time. Right quite young as well yeah yeah and um so anyway I, you know she was obviously in total shock it was just dreadful and yeah. i should point out this this type of point that um sexuality and and gender are completely separate entities and they're, yeah. they're not linked so in my case i've always been attracted to women and i'm still attracted to women it's been one of the constants in my life mm. um so it feels no different to me. But what has happened is that the labels changed. So previously I was labelled as a heterosexual man. I'm now labelled as a lesbian. Well, it feels no different to me. It feels exactly as it always has done. Yeah. But obviously for my wife, the label hadn't changed. She was still attracted to men. So there was a mismatch there. Yeah. Um, 
we tried some counseling but sadly that didn't work so unfortunately that spelt the end of my second marriage so it's a very mm. short marriage that one mm. the next uh dilemma i had was what to do about the name of my photography and video business yes, which is very boldly and brand uh, <laughs> yeah, and largely branded after my old male name martin martin neves photography and film mm. Now I could have I could have changed the name to Katie Neves Photography and Film, but the trouble is it had been an established brand for twenty two years then, and uh, I got lots of great reviews. And I'm like, I was and still am actually ranked second in the UK on photographers on Free Index purely for, through customer reviews and yeah. you know and lots of you know uh, lots of great jobs that I've done under about so I've done it to a very high level and, and I just felt that you know, because I was well known and everything, I just felt that it, the brand was just too big for me to change it. And so I, so what I had to do was just sort of step away from the brand a bit. And so just recognize the fact that instead of being Martin from Martin Needs Photography and Film, I would be Katie from Martin Needs mm. Photography and Film. Mm. But in order to do that, I'd have to come out very openly, very honestly, and very publicly as being trans and continue to do that. Yeah. So what I did was I, I decided to make a coming out video. Um, <laughs> and on the 26th of April, 2018 I made that public I sent it to all my clients and I put it on all, all my social media yes and I remember my finger nervously hovering over the mouse knowing that as soon as I make that click to make the video live my life would never be the same again yeah yeah uh, it was horrendous I was so nervous you imagine um yeah. anyway I clicked the mouse and I waited but then I had to go out on a job but my mind wasn't on the job at all. I, I got the pictures taken as quickly as I could. I was on autopilot and the client was very happy with the pictures, but I couldn't wait to get back to see what was happening on was Facebook was the yeah. first one they did. Yeah. And I was so, so worried about it because my whole reputation, my livelihood, everything rested on the reaction to that one video and things that I, you know, I, I didn't have a staff job, so I wasn't I wasn't protected in law by any discrimination laws or anything. The no. Equality Act 2010 or anything wouldn't <laughs> you know wouldn't didn't make a difference because if clients had a problem with my transition, then they would just stop booking me and the yeah. phone would stop ringing. And so I was so worried. You know, I needn't have worried because when I got back, I was inundated with literally hundreds of messages of support. It was amazing. I yeah. felt so loved. And I didn't do any work for three whole days because I was so busy replying to all these lovely messages of support. It was incredible. And it coming out went from being something that I was absolutely dreading to being one of the most uplifting experiences of my life. It was wow. amazing. It really was. And as well as having lots of lovely messages from friends and from mm -hmm. clients, I also had messages from other trans people who said that they'd seen it and, and they'd been struggling and what I'd said had helped them. And so they thanked me. But there's one particular message that really struck a chord with me. And that was from a woman whose son had had gender issues when he was going through puberty. And he was being treated for it at a gender clinic for kids at the time. And she said that she was really worried that at the time that he would either be bullied or he'd self-harm or even attempt suicide. And she was right to be worried because the, the um, 2012 Trans Mental Health Survey by Stonewall showed that... Uh, uh, 48% of trans people have attempted suicide at least once wow. and 84% have thought about it. Yeah. And she said to me, she said, if only there was someone like you out there at the time that he was going through this, just to let him know that it's okay to be trans because mm. it really is okay to be trans. 
And that got me thinking. I thought, I've really got to do some good with this. So I decided to vlog my whole journey, just bring everybody along on the journey with me and demystify the whole process, make it accessible and, and, and educate, you know, reach out to other trans people to let them know that it's okay to be trans, but then also educate the general public and just show them that trans people are just ordinary people who want to be safe, loved and happy, just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing that and my story was picked up initially in the local um, my local radio so I started doing interviews for them and then it, then local newspapers and then it escalated and I started doing stuff for national radio and television and national newspapers and magazines and all of a sudden I'd become this trans ambassador and <laughs> <laughs> um, it just happened organically and yeah uh, you know I think a lot of a lot of bigotry and prejudice comes from a fear of the unknown so yeah. if you can take that unknown away then you're you're doing a good thing mm -hmm. um and so I think the more education there is, then the more acceptance there will be. And then the more acceptance there will be, the easier it will be for other trans people to, A, admit to themselves they're trans, because that's the hardest thing to do, mm -hmm. and B, to, to actually do something about it and start the transition and then live their best lives. And ultimately, that's what we all want to do. Yeah. So do you think having a, your own business was... I mean, it sounds like it was almost a hindrance and a benefit because, as you say, it it, it made it perhaps feel even harder at the beginning because it was your livelihood um, and it was only you that could control that or, or rather the relationships you already had with people. Um, yeah. But also it's given you this opportunity to to, to be the ambassador and, and grasp things in a different way than perhaps you might have been able to if you were working in a corporate job. Yeah, I think it made it a lot harder at the time mm -hmm. because I was so worried, you know, I was worried about losing my livelihood. And yeah. whereas if I'd been in the staff job, I would have been protected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been, yeah, been protected by the Equality Act. So yeah. um I said that not not all companies get it right, but but you know I would have been protected in law. Um so it definitely made it harder. But but yeah, it, it has led to this thing. And 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 um yeah I, I'm blown away by by everything that's happened with this. It's really taken off, and and you know I, I've done you know done some had some fantastic opportunities. I've made my my world has really opened up. I, I've just made so many new friends through this, and some incredible friends, and and yeah. with amazing stories to tell. Um, it, it just it feels absolutely amazing, and I I've lost count of the number of people who told me that I look so much happier now, and, and I'm not surprised because it's the real me I'm, I'm i'm living my truth and yeah that feels incredible it really does yes yeah so one of the questions i ask a lot of my guests is about how they sort of prioritize what they do between their work and their home life and i guess you've got sort of two things that you do now as well as your home life <laughs> um we talked a bit before we came on about um the, the challenges of of the pandemic and lockdown and how that's affected the photography business mm. giving you opportunity to do more with the trans ambassador work but how do you sort of do both things and how do you sort of um manage that against sort of having a, a personal life as well because when you're an ambassador sometimes it seeps into all areas of your life and you can't go anywhere without being that person. Yeah. Uh, what personal life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought that's what you might say. <laughs> yeah. I've sort of pretty much dedicated myself to this. And obviously, you know, uh, you know having, having my daughter is great because then that, that means that you know, when she, she stays with me, she stays with me every other weekend. So when she stays with me, then I, I can't be doing anything else. And I'm dedicating the time to her and, um, 
pretty much the rest of the time i'm just full on with this and yeah. and and I, to be honest i'm absolutely loving it i really am it doesn't feel like work because I, i'm just i know that it's doing good and and even though obviously by putting my head above the parapet i i get a certain amount of hate directed at me i mean i i don't know if you saw recently i, I wrote an open letter to jk rowling yeah, um, after after all the the, the transphobic messages that, and things that she's been putting out and a lot of people were afraid to say anything against her because obviously you know, she's one of the most famous authors in in the world and and so you know you know that you are sticking your head above the parapet big time when you do something yeah. like that and so i knew that it would attract a lot of hate and sure enough they didn't disappoint <laughs> i've had over a thousand messages of hate yeah from that yeah. um so you know but as well as having those yeah but they would gen that those hate messages were generally from faceless keyboard warriors who were hiding behind their fake names and their avatars so to me those those messages didn't count the ones that really counted were the private messages that were sent to me by particularly parents of trans children who said that they wanted to speak out but they couldn't for fear of outing their children mm. so they really thanked me for what i'd said because it you know it needed saying and so it, it means so much to me when i get messages like that and i know that it's doing good and i a lot of trans people contact me because i'm fairly high profile now and um you know and they they want a bit of support and and you know so often they're in self-denial at the start and you just give them just a little bit of mentoring and it's amazing just to see them blossom and then they're away and it's great and then they're le then they're, they're living their truth and they're, they're so happy and it, it is fantastic to see it's, it's just so rewarding so yes, yeah. yes it, it's time consuming but it doesn't feel like work and have you have you or are you thinking about sort of commercializing this and I don't mean that in a negative way but it sounds like a lot of the the work that has come your way with with this to begin with is supporting the community um you know as as you would anyway uh but it sounds like a, a much bigger I mean you just talked about mentoring people and so on that, that there must be people who need help and, and people who need sort of consultancy in organizations for example around yeah how you implement all of this sort of um, sort of stuff. Yeah, stuff. Well, I do. I mean, I do, I do a lot of stuff for free where I do help, help people for free. Um, but I got to the point where it was taking up a lot of my time, especially when they wanted face-to-face -face mentoring and everything. And, and, and so that, that, so basically what I started doing, I thought, well, I better just try and put a limit on, on my yeah you know, and get on my time the time that it sort of yeah. takes up doing that so now i've put a, a charging structure in place for if it's face-to-face -face mm -hmm. mentoring or anything but but i still do you know free mentoring um usually you know via facebook messenger or or, or text or whatever like that so that I, you know i'm still i'm still mentoring them for free that way because i want to do some stuff for free from so i do a lot of that and then and i do do a lot of um public speaking for free yeah. however when whenever an organization has got a budget then i definitely want to tap into it because yeah. you know I, I, the, the call to be trans it took me quite a long time to actually uh, call it a business yeah you know because i felt guilty about charging for, mm. for it. but i do so i do trans awareness training and i do yeah you know so i'm very recently i was talking to staff at um, aviva you know the insurance company and in fact, they had all their their top management there and that so that that was fantastic and yeah. i was talking to ofcom uh, virgin media so i was doing you know training for them so yeah. uh, it, you know it's, it, it, 
vital, I think, to, to have this sort of training in the workplace um, because there are so many, there's so much misinformation put out there about trans people. Yeah. And so, and it's very, and it's so powerful when a trans person can go along and tell their story and then, and then educate people and just, you know, take them on the journey to you know, show them exactly what it is to be trans. Yeah. And, and I think once people have met a trans person and they hear them talk, they can just see, uh, oh, yeah, this is ordinary people. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I sort of asked the question because I think often when people start with a sort of altruistic supporting community type situation, it's quite hard to transition into that, as you say, that business yeah. because you you want to help everybody. But I, I, you yeah. don't help yourself, do you, when you give it all? No, <laughs> I, I, I found it difficult and I felt guilty about calling it a business to begin mm. with yeah <laughs> and I, I was talking I was sort of calling it a venture to begin with um <laughs> not trying not to myself well, but then actually no is, the thing is that it is take it does take up a lot of my time and and think well actually if I'm going into an organization they pay for other people to do training yeah. for do training for anything else so why shouldn't they pay for trans awareness training yeah. and, and 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 so many companies even who who have got budgets for other training they don't seem to have a budget for for this sort of thing and wow. and and then they just expect you to do it for free well you know frankly why should they yeah. <laughs> but also you know individuals you presumably paid for the counseling that you had as oh, you yeah. work your way through your own journey exactly. um you know so individuals are in a similar position people want answers they want support and it's, people it's, pay for it Exactly. And the thing is that the time that I'm dedicating to doing all this work with Call to Be Trans, I can't be doing with my photography and video business. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that business has definitely suffered. But having said that, I mean, that that took a dive with um, with um, COVID anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 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 this is the this is the direction that I want to be going in anyway. I'm absolutely loving it because I, I know that it's making a difference. It really yeah. is. And, it, and it's it feels fantastic to be making a difference. Yes. Yeah. So before we came on, we um, I briefly touched on um, sort of cynical comments from less enlightened people um, I sometimes see on social media, sort of talking about how um, it seems to be sort of easy for these things to happen, for people to come out as male or female or whatever the opposite to, to what they appeared to be because it's more acceptable acceptable and that you know there's sort of a bit of backlash about encouraging sort of young people to make decisions that perhaps they wouldn't have made ordinarily and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um and that's people who sort of think that it's a, a choice rather than you know <laughs> not a choice <laughs> yeah um, you- I think it's that, that there are more people like you talking which makes things um easier for people who are in that sort of turmoil to you know do that you mentioned some of the parents that have been in touch with you talk a bit about that whole thing about it being a choice or or that people are sort of jumping on the bandwagon or that it's fashionable or or whatever oh i mean (laughs) yeah yes it is easier to come out now than it than it was say five years ago and 10 Mm. years ago and you know 50 years ago you know it's just you know i look back and think god you know the people who did it then the guts that they had to do it then was immense yeah um so it is easier but it's still really hard. Mm. And, no, and, and the hardest thing is admitting to yourself that you're trans because nobody wants to be trans. I, you know, I didn't want to be trans. Nobody chooses to be trans. It is such a hard journey, even now. It really is. And so nobody chooses to be trans. And certainly, you know, I'm not encouraging anybody to tra- be trans. And I, indeed, I couldn't encourage anybody to be trans. You know, I, I, you know I, I'm, I just want people to be themselves and to live their best lives 
whatever that is and and only they can they can they know what that is and work it out for themselves um it's yeah. i know from living a double life and you know living living with you know who i was before um it, it wasn't living my best life before and the best way that i can describe it is are you are you left or right-handed joe left-handed okay can you write with your right hand a bit, yeah. I'm quite ambidextrous, actually. But okay, but <laughs> it feels <laughs> more natural with your left hand. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm the other way. I'm, I'm, I'm right-handed, but I could sort of write a bit with my left hand, but not very well. But I could learn to. I could learn to write with it, but it still wouldn't feel right. It feels natural with my right hand, and that's how it is with gender. So previously, I learned how to be a man. I was, I was socially conditioned to be a man, and so you know, I think I did a reasonable job with it. <laughs> and I, I, you know. The easier option would have been to have carried on living that life because, you know, I had a good life, a successful business. I had a happy home life. I had uh, I had a lot going for it, but it still I was, still wasn't living my truth. Yeah. And now, even though I've lost an awful lot and I've gone through a very, very painful journey um, and lost family members, I mean, I lost my sister through it, um, you know, so... Um, and had lots of problems with my mum over it. I mean, my mum's getting better with it now, but I did have big problems. Even though I've gone through all of that pain, um, I still feel so much happier now. I really do. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of people talk, you know, as as I do, talk about gender dysphoria, but not many people talk about gender euphoria. And it really does feel euphoric to be able to live your truth. It feels amazing. I'm absolutely loving being the real me. Yes, yeah. It's interesting as well, just as with any of these things, you know, people who come out as gay or whatever, when people do that thing about um, it's a choice or whatever, you sort of think most people, unless they're like real, you know, I want everyone to look at me because my life is so terrible, where is me type people. Most people don't want to go through all that trauma that you had to go through. No way. No way. No, the easier choice would be to definitely to to stick to how I was before and just bury it. Yeah, and that's not as easy in itself, but actually no. to sort of press that button everywhere. I mean, we talked beforehand a little bit about sort of younger people. And, you know, in, in Kent, we have single sex schools in many cases at senior level. Mm. And so, you know, the children around or the, the young people around Kent who go through this process are going through a process where they end up completely different in that school to everyone else and yeah. they yet they still do it and it can't be you know even if you thought it was through choice you look at those scenarios and you think how can people choose to put themselves in that situation it's just must be must be so hard yeah yeah, yeah. and it's all and it basically all boils down to the label that we give them at birth and it's crazy yeah. really because the thing is we're, we're all just born as babies with various bits including genitalia and heart lungs brains arms legs you know everything and yet the only thing that determines this label that we're given for life is what's between our legs. And the doctors and midwives often get that wrong anyway, because there's lots of intersex people. I mean, it's about, they reckon it's about just under 2% of the population, which in this country is, is about the same number of people who, who've got ginger hair. Now, mm. not the same people <laughs> necessarily, but, it, you know, you know it's, it's crazy really when you think, well, and that it's just given just on the appearance of our genitalia. And yet, because at that that age, you you can't tell what a baby's um, gender is because the baby can't speak anyway. <laughs> so, no, yeah, yeah. it'd be too young to, to know. But 
Um, and yet it's, it's how you feel in your head and your heart. That's what's, that's what is, is the important thing. Yeah. 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 It's been such an interesting conversation and probably a bit different to the one that we'd normally have. We haven't really talked about your productivity <laughs> <laughs> or how you keep yourself healthy and energetic to run your business, but, <laughs> but it has been really interesting and really in, insightful. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, oh, yeah. Last questions I ask everyone. Uh, one of them is what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong where you have a bad day how do you deal with that and I guess you've probably had a few of those in that story you've told us um, how, do, how have you dealt with it how do you deal with it um, I think uh, often by you know talking to to friends you know talking to my daughter I think you know I think having good friends I mean a journey like this is a really really effective way of finding out who your true friends are yes. <laughs> it's quite an extreme way <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I've got some brilliant friends and they've helped me through all sorts of rubbish uh-huh. um, so yeah I think I think falling on my friends I think that's what friends are for and, and I've got some lovely friends yes oh, that's really good to hear and then lastly what about those days where you get to live more so that's where you get to do more of the, the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do what are those days like for you Oh, they're fantastic. They're usually really, really busy. I mean, I just t- seem to fill my days with lots of stuff that I enjoy doing now. To be, things such as this, you know, I mean, I love doing podcasts and things like this. And, um, you know, it, it's just it's just brilliant. It's just to, to be able to do this sort of thing, you know, like every day is, is yeah. fantastic. I love it. Absolutely love it. Brilliant, brilliant. And just before I ask you about people contacting you, have you got any sort of thoughts or resources for people who are perhaps going through something like this and haven't really done anything about it yet and and, and don't know where to turn are, are there any sort of yeah there, there are lots of places actually there's um facebook has many faults but one of the good thing about facebook is that whatever you've got there's a support group for it or lots yeah. of support groups and there are lots of support groups for trans people so you know i think it's just it's just easy enough just to do a search on there and 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 yeah. just join a few groups and just see some of them are better than others. So just go on there and have a look and just see, you know, see what suits you. And so I think that that's really good. And I, I'm certainly benefited from a lot of support within support groups on Facebook mm-hmm. when I was still questioning. Uh, I mean, doing, doing that, that book called you and your gender identity that I mentioned by Dara Hoffman Fox. Um, you can, you can buy that. I mean, I got mine from um, Amazon. I'm sure you can get them from from other places, but mm-hmm. it is on there, um, and that's a really good book. That that's very very good. Yeah. Um, other places um, for children, children, uh, um, trans children and their families. Um, There's a very good charity called Mermaids. They're fantastic. Um, if you look them up, um, yeah. they're really good. They support um, fam- you know, the families as well as the children. Mm-hmm. And there's other websites like Gendered Intelligence. They're good. Um, uh, Gires. That's G I R E S. And there's lots of information there. And there's also one called uh, TransWiki as well, which can redirect you to lots of other resources as well. So that's good. And of course, there's my website as well. I've got lots of stuff on there. (laughs) (laughs) Just guessing to. So, yeah, tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact. Okay. Well, my my business is called Cool to be Trans. And and the website is uh, cool. So that's C-O-O-L. Then the number two, the letter B, and then trans, T-R-A-N-S co.uk and then they can they can sort of contact me from 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 there and, and there's all my social media links and all, all that sort of stuff as well brilliant lovely thank you katie it's been great talking to you today thanks so much for sharing your story with us oh you're very welcome joe thanks for having me 
All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 198, then you'll find them there. And this week, I want to talk to you about email management. It's March, as you know, and the theme this month is systemize. And within that, this week, we're talking email management. I talked at the Power to Live More Calm member call on Monday about one of my favorite tools, which I use for my email management, and that's SaneBox. It's a tool that I use to enable me to slice and dice my emails. That way that I can see the most important emails in my inbox really quickly and corral all the other emails into folders to enable me to be context aware as I go through them. So what I mean by that is, for example, everything I put in my at sane news folder gets scanned. So I look through it, I scan through it and I delete most of it and only keep the bits that I want to read. And I have other folders that enable me to go through and really sort of batch my email management. So when I'm going through and looking at uh, either doing, deferring, i.e. put it on my to-do list, delegating to my VAs or deleting, then I can do that around a particular sort of topic or context depending on the folder that I'm looking at. So I have my emails paused all day using a tool called Boomerang and then once a day they're unpaused, all the emails come flooding into my inbox, they get shuffled and sorted by SaneBox and then I can just keep a focus on my really important emails that are in my inbox and then the others I can get to at the time that I allocate to do my email management. We were talking about Inbox Zero and I was reminding the people on the call that Inbox Zero doesn't actually mean that you have no emails in your inbox, although I do like to get to that state once a day. It's actually that you don't have anything in your emails that you don't know about. So you don't have any surprises in there because you've done the processing, the reading, the whatever it is you need to do in order to know what's in there. So there are people who have hundreds and some people I've met recently have thousands of emails in their inbox all the time. But because they use the the red and unread option and they use colour coding and starring and all that sort of thing, they're really on top of their inbox. They know what's in there and they know what they need to do as a result of it. So it's not about getting to inbox zero, i.e. no emails in your inbox. It's about really understanding what's going on in there. The other tool we talked about is Pocket, which is an app that I've talked about before that I use to save any articles that I want to read. And that makes it really easy to delete newsletters that come in that have got links to online articles. I get the newsletters, I click on the links, go to the article on the web browser, and then I just use the extension for Pocket that's on my Chrome browser and it adds that article to my pocket account so I can go and read that at a later date. So no more of that keeping tons of tabs open on your browser, hoping that you're going to read those articles by the end of the day and then not getting chance and just closing all of those uh, browser tabs down. So pocket's a really good tool. I use it not only for reading articles, but also for research. If I'm thinking about sharing some articles around particular topics, I use the search function in there to actually find those topics. And I've had situations where I've been on calls. Uh, I was on, a, I think, a podcast or an interview of some description online, and we were talking about LinkedIn. And whilst we were talking about it, I was able to do a search in my pocket account and find some articles that I'd read about LinkedIn. And I was able to bring some of the 
data some of the information from those articles into the discussion so it made me look you know quite well read <laughs> well prepared and actually it was sort of in the moment using the functionality of the pocket app and then the last tool that i mentioned is shift which is a tool that i use on my computer and it amalgamates my email and most of the apps that i use on a regular basis into one place so that i don't have tons of windows open so it's got e email on there as i said it's got my to doist so my to-do list it's got uh, evernote slack uh, it's even got whatsapp and asana on there and aweber so i can go into each of those apps just from one window rather than having to sort of flick through and open tons of windows on my computer so that's another tool that i really get lots of value from in being productive in relation to email management and apps and so on and as i said that's called shift so those are the tools they were sanebox and if you go to joedodds.com forward slash recommends forward slash sanebox then you can get that to that there boomerang is the one for pausing your inbox pocket is for the article gathering and then shift is for your computer to pull all your apps and your email together into one place next week we're going to be talking about to-do lists I'm sure Todoist will be discussed in great detail as that's the tool that I use for my to-do list but I'm sure we'll be talking about pen and paper as well which seems to be uh, a very popular option for my podcast guests and also for my members of Power to Live More Calm. Again the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 198 and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more. 